and welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, 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 rewatch. I keep. I did this last week. I literally. I said rewatch. There was there was a little bit of an R in there. I left it in, but that time it was fully there. Rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by someone who very much would spend five thousand credits to get to the buffet. It's Amy. Oh yes. I mean. It's it, that I was there thinking like I was either going for that or something about I'd like still shagging David Tennant even if you were a ghost or something. I mean, uh, but that I felt like the, the simping would be too obvious, and there's a very obvious buffet joke to be made. Therefore, yeah. it's going to be the buffet joke. It's the buffet. It's always a buffet. If you it ever want to know a way to Amy's heart, it's through a buffet. I think we've literally said this. <laughs> it, I Probably. said if you ever, I think I remember this very clearly. I said if you're ever dating Amy, which I hope you're not. Um, that's yeah. how you get to her heart is via the buffet. So it yeah. must have been off. It must have been on previously on because I introduced you as like through the line of every buffet we see or something like that. Oh, probably through life, through love, and through the line of every buffet we see. Wow, which is right soppy and rubbish. Yeah, but it's, but it's a, true. It's a, it's a time to be soppy because by the time you're listening to this, it's going to be the edge of Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays if you're not celebrating as such. But still, it is the 23rd of December 2022 because we've actually gone and recorded two episodes in successive weeks, Amy. I mean, technically, right it's, now. It's, it's literally it's Christmas. It's the 19th of December It's, it's literally Christmas for our so, lovely, lovely viewers. Hello to the listeners. future us and hello to the past viewers. That doesn't listeners. work. Hello keep, to the past us and hello to the future I'm so, viewers. I'm so used to doing YouTube. I It's... Listeners is always the second term I come to. The first one is always viewers. Viewers, which you know it does go out on YouTube, but that you're not <laughs> you're not watching much apart from a, a waveform that takes like three and a half hours to render. You're welcome, YouTube listeners. Yeah. Um. The what? Right. Because the last episode for Utopia Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Warp was two hours long. It took about four, maybe four and a half hours to render the video version. It was and a that hefty was, boy. And that was out of After Effects. If you if you if you are an unfortunate soul that has to use the Adobe Suite in any way, shape, or form, especially on the video side, you know how much of an absolute dick bag it can be. And yeah. sometimes if you're exporting out of After Effects, because I've got like the particle effects on the on the the the, the surface of what is essentially Gallifrey because it's orange and in, in the cover art in, in the artwork. And there's that um there's the particles coming off from that and then you've got the waveform itself which in itself has got like a, a mask on it to make it look like great like a vignetted basically and then obviously that's the waveform is being generated from the audio file i just plumb into after effects which is just the raw export of the podcast mm-hmm. so it takes a while and um yeah if you use adobe you'll know that sometimes if you're exporting out of either after effects or premiere and you try and use something like media encoder which if you're exporting loads of crap at the same time which from working on game trailers and you have to do different lengths and different aspect ratios for like instagram and adverts in between instagram stories and snapchat and stuff like you like you have to do a lot Having something like Media Encoder is great because you can just list them all off and just tell it to go and it will do them all in one go. It's great until it doesn't want to work because yeah. Media Encoder, trying to export last week's podcast out of Media Encoder was going to take 20 hours. And that ain't happening. <laughs> because it just decides, you know what? I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. After Effects is going to take three hours. I'm going to take 20 because screw you, apparently. Well, so uh, why not, hey? You're, you're welcome. And I, I've completely forgotten what, where I was going with this point. Basically, I, I genuinely don't remember. I think you were just saying, 
Hi, welcome back. Yeah, Merry Christmas. We've actually done two <laughs> podcasts in a row. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. So it's Christmas 2022, and it's the, I think it's the first time that our review of a Christmas special has aligned with the holiday season, because today we're talking about Voyage of the Damned, which aired on the 25th of December 2007. And while I said we we're going to start Series 4 in January, technically we've started Series 4 now, yeah, because well. the Christmas special is technically part of the next series along. So mm-hmm. hello, Series 4, I suppose. And... Let's kick things off. I'm going to kick these things off with a question. Oh, okay. Right? Straight away. It's from John. And it was a point I was going to mention anyway, because mm-hmm. we mentioned it while we were watching. John asks a simple one. Do you like the new opening and closing theme? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, Churchill. There, yeah, no, I just thought that was... <laughs> there, it is stunning. Like, I'd forgotten how different it actually was compared to um like the the last season or two because the last season was the one i remembered most um and this one just gave it that extra oomph, that extra little something something and it just Absolutely. makes it 10 times better i did a video for for who culture back in the day and it was like every was it every theme or every intro ranked it was I think it was every intro, right? I'm going to have to check not? this now. I feel, I think it was intro. That would make um, sense because even in the same, like, Doctor's series, you don't have the same intro, do you? No, not always. It's every title sequence. Yeah. And uh, I got, I got a bit of, a bit of ire for my number one pick, which was the series four version it's so good i mean technically it was the ninth and tenth doctors overall like it was just that that Mm -hmm. first four years of who at least for i've knew who that took the gold because it's the best one don't don't at me it's it's 100 percent the best of the of doctor intros i'd say new who and classic who um and i did mention that the series four version the one that's just slightly different is as amy said like a little bit more energy a little i say a little bit a lot more energy a Mm -hmm. lot more oomph in it that made that the best one and like so many people were just like oh typical typical russell t davies fanboy picks the russell t davies sorry, era it's like it's i'm sorry best it's one it is objectively the best one there and is I'm pretty certain that the worst one was yes it was the 11th doctor's seventh series intro that's you know because it was ra- awful like Let's get rid of the vortex and replace it with loads of with really low face. resolution PNGs of some galaxies. It's like great. Whose mm-hmm. stupid idea was this? I mean, we're we're gonna get to this obviously, but like series six when they just decided to Instagram filter the intro. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was when Doctor Who was like kicking off on Tumblr and Instagram. And this was back when Instagram was in its infancy, uh-huh. and it was like <laughs> literally just took the series five intro and just put instagram filters on it like even down to i I always think about this when i think of instagram of that time somebody posted on my instagram feed a a screenshot of their iphone right and it was like you know when you get a status message on on this is back on like ios what would it have been six like before they did the full refresh yeah yeah um and it was like one of those pop-ups but it was like the translucent blue Mm -hmm. yeah somebody took a screenshot of that and they did the flipping vignette effect on it not the vignette sorry uh the tilt shift effect yeah and i'm like who the hell tilt shifts a screenshot of ui mm-hmm. and that's literally what they did to the the series six intros 
Like, who thought that was a good idea? It's like it's like uh, Moffat just turned around and went, I know what, I'm going to pre-filter uh, the gifts that people are going to make on Tumblr. Yeah, pretty much. I genuinely think that was the inspiration behind it. But yes, in answer to your question, John, and I knew that Amy would agree, yes, we do enjoy the new version of the intro. And it's yes, great. it is the best one of New Who. If you want to, if you want to, uh, you want to question that, you want to disagree, uh, let us know in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter at Casterpod or in the uh, in the in the Q and A, which we'll get to a bit later. Uh, yeah, it's the best one. And while we've kicked off with the intro, there's actually another thing that irrelevant to the main point of the podcast. We need to uh, we need to talk about. Uh, and that is one um can tom baker please stop trending on twitter because he's trended like the, twice in the last sort of three or four days and both and times thinking he's dead. both times you think he's dead one time was because it was his birthday the second time is because it was like oh tom baker's great it's like can you stop i mean yes he is <laughs> but can you stop doing this because when you see trending tom baker with no context doesn't say like in the united kingdom or x number of tweets it just says trending tom baker it's yeah. like uh, oh dear he's please, dead please don't but no, the main thing we need to talk about, very quickly, Shooty Gatwa's Doctor costume has been revealed. Oh my god, it's so good. And if you I haven't seen it. it, head over to Doctor Who on literally any social platform, even YouTube, they've gone absolutely crazy because of course they have. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he's wearing like a... Uh, it's brown sort of like a, a tweed. brown Yeah, brown tweedy looking, like not check, not tartan, but that kind of pattern. It's jacket and and trousers and like brown. They look like um, brown brogue boots. And I think it's on purpose because he's half Scottish, is he not? So it's like that kind of nod to his Scottish side, maybe. I don't know, but he's then wearing a bright orange jumper and I'm here for it. Jumpery t shirt, and then he's wearing a couple of rings and Mm -hmm. he's also got a bit of Gallifreyan on his nails. Yeah. And he's got, I think he's got like a necklace as well. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm so here for this because, like, there's not been a doctor costume that I've, I've overtly disliked. I definitely feel, even though, um, in a silhouette sense, Matt Smith's second costume, which is mm-hmm. his, objectively his, his better costume. One. Yes. Yeah. It, it has a very, very, very similar silhouette to David Tennant's costume. Yeah. But his original costume did feel a bit thrown together. And I know contextually he just nicked a bunch of clothes from that hospital in yeah. the 11th hour, and but so not the fine. point. Like, it's a bit boring, but I am I am super here for, for Shooty's costume. Oh, it's so good. I'm so, it's, so excited. Every time I see something new from the Doctor Who promo, it just reminds me of what it used to be back in the day. And my brain is just like, this is what Doctor Who should be. Like, it's I been am missing so excited out. for you. It's been so overlooked and the promo has been so rubbish for the last three years and now it's literally like oh you want a picture bam here's two oh you want another picture bam here's a video oh you, you want to see shooty like, gatwa's costume here have a close-up video of his ass walking up to his trailer like, yeah it's like here's here's millie gibson and shooty gatwa just pissing around in the car park on set in their new costumes i'm like here this is it. amazing i love it so much i mean it's the, the immediate comparison for me is Eccleston because yeah. it's just so simple. It's just mm-hmm. literally, here's a here's a jumper and a jacket and stuff like that. And because the jumpers are brown, obviously they're going for this very warm, um, yeah. this warm tone. Which I but think... I say, because obviously it's, it's orange, is, bright orange, it's not really warm, it's a hot tone, mm. but it's kind of dampened by the brown, the brown surrounding it. But arguably you could change that top 
to whatever you wanted it to be, which is what Eccleston did. He had, I know he has a burgundy jumper in one episode yeah. and he's got a green jumper in another. So maybe they'll play up with that and in the Tenet's same way that. outfit changes colour, doesn't it? Depending on whether yeah, he's, he's going got brown forwards or, or blue. backwards. You've got Jodie, whose top can change colour. Yeah. The and her jacket stay the same. turn inside out. That's only for when she's like portraying evil. a evil Jodie, which I yeah, really like that costume. But yeah, it feels less like, as Jodie's costume felt like a costume. Mm hmm. Whereas shooties, it is, but it, it feels like almost, an outfit. It, it doesn't feel like it as much. So, so yeah, I'm really here for it. As is Amy. Roll on um, RTD two. Yeah, very. But at present, we're talking about RTD one, yeah, which is Voyage buddy. of the Damned, when David Tennant's TARDIS gets twatted with the Titanic, as mm-hmm. you do. Because and you yet, know. I I was there thinking when, <laughs> I love that. It opens with just okay. It's, the TARDIS just crashes through the. Uh, sorry, the the Titanic just crashes through the TARDIS, and David just goes okay. It just rewinds it. Yeah, literally. And just like fixes the wall. It's like no one's no one's gonna question that. Yeah. Because while it almost it almost might sound a little hypocritical from me that it would be like. I, if this were like if this were a Chibnall episode, I'd want answers to that. And to be mm-hmm. honest, I probably would because there'd be a big pile of other things I want answered, and I'll just throw it on the pile. Whereas here, I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. However, does he not explain? He does how he fixes it. So therefore, we. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't explain how he fixes it. He explains why it happened or how it happened. Yeah, which to me is enough because I feel like the TARDIS has shields. Does it not? So like it does, powered by the old. Um, oh God! Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Come on. Extrapolator. That's there you go. it. Um. So I mean, I'm honestly, for the sake of a Christmas special, I'm all right if there's one tiny thing that's not fully explained. I mean. I sound like a hypocrite because all I wanted from Chibnall was explanation. <laughs> but if Chibnall had only had one tiny thing in each episode that wasn't explained, I'd be like, eh, we can let it go. But the fact that every episode of Chibnall's was just not explanation all the way through, yeah, it's a bit crap. However, um, I don't, I can't remember if I said this last time or if I said it to you when we were watching. I love how much emotion can be conveyed in the word what just three times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like... And, the, and I think that's what David does so excellent. It's, it's just like changes the connotation of each time, but it's the exact same word and you know exactly what he means by each one. I mean, how have they literally reintroduced his character by yeah. saying what three times? It's just it's just what he does. It's yeah. not he will knock four times, it's he will what three times. Uh-huh. So, and as Amy said, honestly, I think while we're, we're only 15 minutes in, the, the, the vibe we got, from watching this again the overall sort of i guess opinion that we share is that it's like it's a christmas special we can let things slide Mm -hmm. it's a christmas special it's meant to be camp it's meant to be silly yes it still ties into the lore of doctor who and it can do it really well and they can serve for some very important moments for example the christmas invasion introducing david tennant as the doctor like that's Mm -hmm. huge um but there's an element you can take things with a pinch of salt and there yep. is one very big one that we can get to, which I know somebody's asked a question about, which we will get to a bit later when we get towards the end of the episode. Um, but it's a Christmas special. I'm here for the big silly stuff. I mean, if this were an episode that were produced mid-series, mm-hmm. like, let's take, like, just as, a, as an example of this, which we mentioned, the Queen. 
Yeah. If we had the queen waving off the doctor saying, thank you, doctor. You're, thank you Save, so much yeah. for saving Save me and my Christmas. Merry yeah. Christmas. Like, if a writer had put, made that decision and stuck that in an episode like mid-series, you would You'd write like, off the what? show forever. What? What is happening? But I mean, like you said, it's Christmas special. I feel like you've got to have that element of cheeriness, of silliness, because, I mean... When you look at this episode, a lot of people die. It's dark. You kind yeah. of have to have that jovial, separate side of the coin to kind of make it that much more bearable. Because, I mean, the thing is as well, though, all of the kind of like jokey bits, all of the jovial bits, the funny bits, they're all explained kind of and they're all got a purpose. Like there's no, none of the jokes I feel in there are really awful or don't land quite so well i mean yeah okay the queen was a bit of a like you know it's very on the nose but yeah but it's funny because it's like i said it's a christmas special and you know full well that the queen would never wave off a giant titanic ship however there are some jokes in it that absolutely do land very well um and it's almost like basically what um what's his name max what's his face I've forgotten. Max, Max Capricorn. Capricorn, thank you. I've forgotten between the course of yesterday and today. Um, <laughs> it's almost like what Max Capricorn says when he says to the Doctor, um, so many words yet not a single one wasted. And it's yeah, kind of so like... Yeah, so much banter, not a single yeah, word yeah, wasted. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's the Doctor. That's the Doctor we know and love. But yeah. speaking of characters we know and love, let's talk about the main guest star in this Mm -hmm. episode which from looks of some of the questions we got i think people were not entirely like convinced Mm -hmm. by uh by kylie minogue because obviously kylie big um big music star yeah obviously don't need to tell you that um if you don't know who kylie minogue is then you really have been living under a rock yeah, and I would I'd hate to say that you're musically oblivious, but you're musically oblivious. It's yeah. it's Kylie flipping Minogue for yeah, goodness literally. sake. Obviously she did um Neighbours. Yep. Um so she has um acting she does have acting chops. So fair enough. And you know, it's obviously a lot of star power. It is, I believe, according to what somebody said, and I think it is the case, um, that Voyage of the Damned is actually the most watched Doctor Who ever. Yes, it still is. Oh, wow. It still is the most watched episode of Doctor Who ever. That surprises me. Yeah, I I think because, uh, bear in mind at this point, this is probably where, like for series four and and going into the specials, I'd argue that this is where Doctor Who in the new era was like peaking. This is like top tier stuff. So yeah, most people there for Kylie, to be honest. And as Astrid Peth, which you obviously thought was Astrid Perth, which is yeah, a bit on the which nose. I thought bit, was a bit, yeah. a little bit on the nose. And admittedly, before she said it, I was there thinking, I think was it Perth? No, it's not. Maybe I mean that's probably a play on it. Let's mm-hmm. let's face it. She's here as uh, a waitress on the Titanic, and obviously she goes a bit googly for the Doctor. Yeah, but, I mean. <sighs> I you have her it. backstory. She's kind of got nothing, nothing going for her back home. Yeah, she wanted to see the stars and everything, and who better to meet than the Doctor? I mean, I mean, it I is get what it. it is. I do get it. It's very 
a guest star always basically has to kiss the doctor. I think that's just kind of the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with David Tennant's era. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to? Especially me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I would have to kind of agree with the people that aren't really that sold on her character. Um, I don't know if it's because I know how old she is compared to how young she looks and so therefore that kind of made me wonder like what is her character really about or whether it's just because I can't see past the fact that it's Kylie Minogue and it kind of feels a little bit like eh. I mean yeah I honestly don't mind. I don't really think about it that way. I think I've I've gotten quite good at managing to look past actors. I'm I've always found myself as someone who can look beyond typecasting. Yeah. Um I think it's I think I think having watched a lot of things with Daniel Radcliffe in it, mm-hmm. both on screen and as Emmy and I have seen we've seen him on stage. He did a play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead. I feel like we've mentioned this on the podcast before. Probably. I've also Basically seen him on like Broadway. A, you've also seen him on Broadway. You bitch. I hate you. You're welcome. Um, and it's like, he's so good. He's such a good actor. And I think I am I am past the point of just seeing him as Harry Potter. I always yeah. feel that if you're always going to compare him to Harry Potter, I'm like, You're bro, not appreciating like, the range please that he actually has. appreciate him as an actor because he is more than Potter mm-hmm. and that goes the same for for a lot of people you know there are some characters or some actors who you know really can't play other roles like they're mm-hmm. so blatantly that character it's it's kind of tough I mean I love the guy to pieces but Terry Crews he's the same bloke in everything you see him in Terry Crews is Terry Crews and I think that's just kind exactly of part of I mean that, that's now, but... that is part of his gimmick you're right but there is still that element and I think more people see characters or actors playing the same person mm-hmm. so and i don't consider as as a parallel daniel radcliffe in that same in that same thing and i feel the same about kylie i can look past the fact that yes it's a star that i know yeah in a very different capacity and i would i'll happily put that aside to um i mean it doesn't really impact the show at all like it doesn't make me sit there and think oh god i wish it wasn't kylie minogue like you know but i think i don't know i think her character was very kind of uh, one-dimensional almost. And I know that they tried to give her a little bit of extra, I've got no one left on my planet. Like I've I've gone on here to try and do this and become a traveller. But it all just feels a little bit like, it's a bit wishy-washy for the sake of the Christmas special because the Christmas special is supposed to be camp. It's supposed to be like kind of a bit over the top, a bit funny um, and all the characters are played up a little bit more than normal. I mean, even the Doctor's character is played up more than normal. Um, A prime example being that bit in the middle where he's basically spent the entirety of the New Who series up to this point kind of not really telling people who he is and not really divulging much information and Mm -hmm. him only being, like, able to sort of briefly discuss it without feeling upset about it to him literally going i'm a time lord i'm 903 years old i'm from the planet gallifrey and i'm the man who's going to save your life like hang on a minute where the bloody hell did that come from you're perfectly happy to reveal it to a room full of strangers but not to your best mate come on i mean we'll get on to this and we'll actually we'll loop back to kylie but this is i mentioned this to you ames 
this very much feels like and while we know what is coming this is the start of i'd argue the time lord victorious arc Mm -hmm. which has come after the master's quote-unquote death yeah that the doctor finally believes he's the last time lord in existence and i feel like he needs to look back at the events of dalek to realize that maybe not because he was Mm -hmm. convinced he won the time war after dalek and he definitely didn't and he thinks he's the last of the time lords now after the master's gone but ah, no Mm. unfortunately not Mm. so this is really the beginning of that and you are right the fact that he goes into that whole spiel he does that moment with the where the music swells and kylie starts frothing at the gash for yeah. lack of a better phrase i mean as, as did we I. All were yeah <laughs> you know got a problem with that and it's like uh, no uh, no david take me yeah, no david yes david uh, go uh, go save the world david uh, um <laughs> oh you're eating good um <laughs> like yeah, that's very much the start of that arc for mm-hmm. for the Tenth Doctor, and it's a it's a good arc. It's a it's one that I I feel like Moffat tried on a little yeah. bit with his with his well the Eleventh Doctor's era, this sort of omnipotent godlike figure, mm-hmm. and it just didn't really land in the same way. I think but the thing with we'll get we'll get to that when we yeah, get to it. I think the thing with David's kind of Time Lord victorious arc is that it very much feels like it was progressively developed into this oh i've done that oh okay maybe i could do this maybe i could do this and it just builds and builds and builds whereas like i said moffat's was a little bit like i'm a god now and you're just gonna have to deal with it um yeah which felt a little bit kind of like meh um at times however we'll get to that i very can i just say that david Tennant in a suit and bow tie i will stop simping in a minute but i just had to mention it but not right jesus christ rip my clothes off (laughs) okay moving swiftly back to uh to the uh, the old conversation about kylie there's actually a couple of questions regarding kylie and one's from richard and he says if it wasn't uh i was about to say if it's not too late for voyage of the damned no you're not at all no Uh, astrid peth best companion that never was yes or no Oh no! No, I. Mm, I feel I, like I wouldn't have disagreed with the idea, mm-hmm. but there was no. As soon as it was like, "Can I come with you?" As soon as you have that that early on in the episode, you know it's not going to happen. Oh no, she's going to die. And also, it's Kylie Minogue. It's yeah. not going to happen. It's like having I don't know Benedict Cumberbatch appear in. Um, Doctor Who. It's like having Neil Patrick Harris appearing in Doctor Who. He's not going to stick around. He's going to mm-hmm. be there for one episode and that's it because mm-hmm. it's it's Neil Patrick Harris or it's Kylie Minogue or it's whoever. It's not going to happen. I think for me, it's not even so much about who played her. Say for example, she was played by a nobody who we didn't know, just another actor. Um, I still don't think I'd have wanted it because... She very much was just like, can I come with you? Oh, my God. Like, no. No, you can't. You almost this don't is, want that kind of enthusiasm in the character. This is a very... It's just... I don't know. It felt too on the nose. It felt a little bit like, yeah, I can come with... You can come with me and you can see the stars and, oh, wait, she's dead. <laughs> like, it <laughs> see was... See you later. It's a bit too forced. Like, everybody else that goes with the Doctor definitely takes some convincing um maybe it's because most of the companions are human and so therefore they haven't experienced stuff like that before so they do take a bit more convincing whereas astrid i guess was from a different planet anyway so she was probably like yeah sure why not um i don't know i just i don't think they're i mean the thing is they kiss each other sure like 
David has sorry the doctor has the emotional moment at the end where he's really trying to bring her back and he doesn't succeed but I don't feel like the kiss was the same kind of kiss as you would get from say the one with Rose or the one that Martha so desperately desired but never got um or did she kiss him did Martha kiss well, sorry. him? Does Martha yeah. kiss the Doctor? She does, doesn't right she? Right, in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I thought. But <clears throat> the emotional kiss between Astrid and the Doctor just didn't have that same weight for me. It was very much like, oh, it's an old tradition. Here, have a kiss. Oh, okay, we'll just, uh, yeah, sure, we'll just kiss each other. Cool. There was no, like, emotional gravitas to it. And I feel like, yeah, the music swells. It makes you feel a little bit emotional. But honestly, it was just, it was a one-time fling. It was never meant to be. Kind of not really my choice for a companion. Yeah, I mean, Terry McDonald on YouTube asked basically the same thing. Like, do you think Kylie would have been... Um, if Kylie were available for more episodes, she'd have made a good companion. I think it would have been a 50-50. I think she could have gone either way. Yeah. Because as a character in the standalone, I don't mind her character. I quite mm-hmm. like the way that Kylie actually portrays her. She is, I'd argue, she is convincing. Yeah. She is a good actress. I don't think any any performances in that particular episode are overtly bad. No, so not at all. I will, I will happily defend that Kylie was a, a great, a great choice for that episode. While you know, did they cast her for the fact that it's a big name you can slap on it? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Does she detract from the episode anyway? No. No. So if she did turn up again if she wasn't deady buys then i wouldn't have been against it to be perfectly honest so no, you know, but i just don't think not? she's a long term no and like i said just logistically as a musician as all the stuff that she does i know that you probably don't see her as much or at least probably the stuff that we kind of consume as in our age demographic and stuff we probably don't see her so much anymore like yeah. we were used to um, at least not back in 2007 where she'd have still been, you know, oh, yeah, super, she was super kind relevant of, in, yeah. in public consciousness. Um, it would not have happened logistically for her back then. So, yeah. it, you know, I, I do like her in this episode. I can't I can't complain about that. Yeah. So... I don't dislike yeah. her. No, absolutely. Um, Sack of Glitter asked, uh, as Kylie Minogue played Astrid and did so phenomenally, so they agree, mm-hmm. uh, my question to you is which current pop... Which current day pop singer do you think could and should play a one-off Christmas special companion? Ooh. Personally, I'm either picking Youngblood, who I no idea who that is, because I listen oh. to Radio 2, folks. That's because you're you t- old. You tell me anything that's in the charts, I have not a clue. Like, I, I am so... Radio 1 plays nothing but complete crap now right. for whereas me. I disagree. I'm there, like, I'm there if, if I jump in Amy's car and it's on Radio 1, I'm like, what in the hell am I listening to? I am I am a Radio 2 man through and through. I'm 27 going on 57. Yeah, you are. I've always or, said this. Or, I, sorry, carry on. personally, I'm picking either Youngblood or Louis Capaldi. Bruh. Oh my God, okay. that's Sorry, that was very loud. I'm sorry to Only, eardrums. I mean, Louis Capaldi's hilarious. I love him. Like, literally. His music's cracking too. I love his music. Like, I could listen to it for days on end and not get bored. But he is just 
the absolute pinnacle of not giving a crap and using it to your advantage because he is not good looking really i mean he might be to and some he, people but he knows it and he, yeah, and he, he runs with it he's not like it. playing on the fact that he's attractive he's not playing on the fact that he's thin or that he's got muscles he's literally just like look i am a pretty average very average looking guy in my <laughs> underwear on a billboard and you're all just going to have to deal with it to promote my new single. Oh, whoops, the Queen's dead. Time to remove all of that. Um, but he's very funny. Like, I mean, so, a man turns up on stage at the Brits with a bottle of Bucky and he's like pissed out of his legit. mind. I'm like, dude, he, you are incredible. All these people are like, that's really disrespectful. It's like, nah, he's Scottish that's and just he Lewis. doesn't give a damn and I love it. I'm and so here for that energy. He went on Radio 1 and literally told the world... The, the national radio listeners that he took a picture of his ass because he has hemorrhoids. I mean, quite literally, <laughs> he is just the pinnacle of not caring. Yeah, he's, um, he's hysterical. Man. I think he would be incredible. Um, I, the only thing about that is, is he would only work if he probably played himself. Yes. And it was like, I think you could only get Lewis Capaldi in, in Doctor Who in any way, shape or form is if it's on a comic relief special that lasts about five minutes. Oh, definitely. If you, put, if you had him playing himself in a 45-minute episode... It would get a bit I much. think you would probably hate it. Yeah. Um, as funny as he is. But I, if he, if you could do something like that with, like, I don't know, an alien is trying to infiltrate Lewis Capaldi's show because he t- wants to use his influence to spread the word about, I don't know... Glorp nah. 5 a planet that wants to kill everyone I don't know like then you could probably run with it yeah I mean serious answers um musicians that can act I don't again I don't know I think Olivia Rodrigo is, uh, no she can she can depress no. the dialects to death Olivia Rodrigo is a fantastic singer and obviously a phenomenal like you know star in her own right um, whether you agree with that or not, you can't deny the fact that she's only 19 and she has made waves. Um, but she's not the kind of companion you'd want on Doctor Who. The thing is, I'm not really a huge music-like person. Like, I do like music. I listen to music in the car, on the radio. I will listen to my Spotify playlist, but nine times out of ten, if it's not High School Musical or Taylor Swift, I'm probably not listening to it. Or Lewis Capaldi, obviously, as we've discussed but um, I don't know whether somebody like Ed Sheeran might be an okay kind of I mean, he stardom. did Game of Thrones, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's the kind of thing that that's the, probably the main person. Or I'll tell you who would actually be quite good on an episode of Doctor Who, who I think who? you'll like, Lil Nas X. I think he would be wicked. Oh, oh my God. Shooty Gatwa and Lil Nas X Lil Nas meeting X in Doctor Who. Incredible. Yo. Yeah. That's oh my, my vote. God, I'm so here for that. I'm here for Lil Nas X being on the new series <laughs> that of would Doctor be, Who. Especially if they break, if they, if to close the episode, they just break out into like a Gallifreyan version of um, Old Town Road or something. Yeah. I'm, oh my goodness. But I think that, that would be excellent. That would be cool because Lil Nas X is also, is black and openly gay, which I think is... Shooter Gower isn't openly gay though. Yes, he is. Is he? Yeah. I thought he wasn't. Um, no, he's very openly gay. You've never watched an episode of Sex Education. I haven't watched have Sex you? Education, but he is also an actor. <laughs> no, he is very openly gay. I'm because che- I swear I looked into this. I'm sure that I literally saw a video of him talking about himself being gay. So I, I'm I fairly certain. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but I am pretty sure he is openly gay. 
I'm checking this. We now. are now googling. Uh, that's a stupid listicle. Uh, oh god, uh, these are it's all like tabloid journalism. Like, everything you need to know about this person yeah, of is course. it? Yep, 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 yep. Um. Yeah, I mean. IndieWire said Shooty Gatwell will be gay Doctor Who says Neil Patrick Harris. I mean... Well, yeah. Uh, no, Shooty is not gay. Is I'm not sure I believe that. The gay rumours and allegations came about after starring in Sex Education. I don't... How, how about, actually, no. No, 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 no. Actually, this is this article's complete trash. The reason why they say he's not gay is because he hasn't overtly said. Right. It's the, it, you know how it's like innocence until proven guilty? It's like straight until proven gay. I see. I'm this is why I don't yeah. look at this kind of journalism. Go away. Okay, never mind. Okay, but so yeah. we, okay, so non-conclusive, we don't know whether Shooter Gatwa is openly gay or not. However, he apparently is playing a gay doctor. Whether he is actually gay or not, I don't know. But I thought And also, was. like, I don't really care. But No, no, no. It's my ir- point was... My yes. point was is that him and Lil Nas X together with Lil Nas X being an openly gay black man and if Shooter Gatwa is gay and a black man, it would just be the perfect pairing because you know also, the chemistry it's gonna, it's, would just bounce off it'll each other. Wind, it'll wind... It'll wind up the woke PC Anti-woke crew. Doctor Who critics up no end, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd love it. There's all the more reason to do it. Russell, if you're listening, in which case, if you are, please, please start an episode with us. Uh, yeah, get Lil Nas X in, because that'd be amazing. Um, as for other people we get to meet in this episode, because obviously this is an hour and 15 minutes long, you get a bit more time with all your pals, yeah, which is nice. You get a bit more time to introduce yourself, introduce the audience to new characters, and obviously there are, apart from the Doctor, they're all new characters. So we have Midship and Frame, yeah. Played by good old Russell Tovey. Yeah. Who you might know from um he played uh oh, what was that what was that show about oh being human when it's like a vampire a werewolf and a ghost all live together or something. He was in that, I believe. Not a clue. That was a Wasn't BBC he in... BBC three series. Uh he Wasn't he in a, a war war film or a war show or that I, I feel like I can picture him in a World War One uniform. Or uh, something. Probably? Maybe I am getting that confused with his uh, name. Also, he was form. also in the one of the best episodes of Sherlock, The Hounds of Baskerville. Oh yeah. That was really scary. Yeah. Um, he is a very, very, very well accomplished actor, and mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know that this is one of his earlier roles. He's not. He looks quite young. He is quite. He is young, and he's definitely young. And I think this must mm-hmm. have been when he was just about picking up in terms of his um his popularity so you've yeah. got him and he's 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 there he, he's good it's he's midship and frame he, he doesn't really have much going on over the course of the episode we have um i don't know i oh, think he's got a fair amount oh going no he's, on. he's good i just he's not one of the ones we spend a lot of time yeah. with and there's other ones i want to talk about more so you've got rixton slade who's a yeah. douche absolutely if you you knew exactly where Avery was going with this don't you yeah absolutely like i i'll tell you what i i kind of like that there was almost a bit there was almost a, a a subversion of expectations with with slade because Yes, he's a dick. The fact he's all on his phone, you see him. You see him in quite a few shots early on, mm-hmm. um, just passing, and then eventually he gets thrown into the mix of everything going on. Um, and the fact that Russell didn't actually write in any kind of redemption arc for him, yeah. The fact that he just continued being a colossal douche the entire time, like I actually like that about mm-hmm. his character. Mm-hmm. 
and even amidst everything that's going on, even after the fact. Yeah. He he's still like, continues I'm, I'm to be sticking an to my story. I'm a dickhead. Yeah. Which is fair. I mean, because the thing is, it probably takes a lot more than something like that to break someone's character in real life. And I think that was probably quite well explored because, yeah, you had him, you had the douche criticizing the overweight nice couple and obviously the overweight nice couple are the ones who die which you know sucks a little bit uh but i think it's very poignantly kind of summarized at the end when is it mr cooper mr copper mr copper when mr copper is like oh out of all the people to survive you don't really want it to be him do you but then if you could pick and choose that would make you a monster and it's very much Again, like it's 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 going it's going yeah. this is where you're going doctor mm-hmm. like this is the start of the time of victorious arc really yeah and uh but i think it was well done i think his character was very well played because to make you actually hate somebody takes quite a lot of work um you can't just stand on stage call somebody a knob and think they're actually going to be a knob um and so yeah i think i like it i like it too i think it's very well explored i think it's good kind of mini character exploration yeah which is well done and also you've got mr copper who is played by let me double double check uh clive swift i knew his name his name does ring a bell i knew it i I, i'd known it i can't remember what it was but clive swift obviously plays mr copper who's this really lovable sort of um semi-daft more like misled old man escaping um you know retirement and almost the feds by getting a billy bob degree in earthonomics and chatting up loads of rubbish some really good really really good little uh, monologues about what he perceives earth to be um and also he has his whole like he's just this lovable old character that it would have been absolutely devastating if he died i think it would also have been the easy route in the in the same vein of making um uh what's his face i've already forgotten his name slade remain a dick and not mm-hmm. and like not kill off the old guy at least let him survive at least give him the happy ending he wanted of being able to retire yeah. give himself a million quid to play with and and he has that really lovely yeah mm-hmm. oh, bless him um unfortunately clive swift, clive swift is no longer with us unfortunately he, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago um but he, he's he's just a lovely character like you just cut you can't help but love him and i love the fact that he just properly when Slade is being a douche, he just turns around. And he's like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, not yeah, as literally. not as overtly as the Doctor is, but he's like, "Oh, Slade, did you get that last thing?" And he was like, "What? Shut, shut up!" Shut up! Yeah, that's so funny. When when Ten has got no time for you, he will let you know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Mister Copper is that same kind of character that you 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 gotta love him. Like mm. he's such a nice character, and the fact he gets his happy ending is lovely. Um, and the yeah. fact that, yeah, as you say, he gets to deliver that line to. Um, to, to the doctor about yeah. being a monster if he gets to choose a level dies but it is not his first foray into doctor who mm-hmm. because back in 1985 he played a character called i think it was jobel right i need to check this uh yes jobel professor jobel on uh, tranquil Repo- repose which is a planet or a, on it's a planet that's basically a giant funeral home yeah which is also where davros is making daleks out of the dead 
Oh no! It's basically the second part of the Dalek Civil War arc that started in Resurrection of the Daleks and finishes in Remembrance of the Daleks. Oh, Slap no. bang in the middle with the Sixth Doctor, and he plays this very obnoxious scientist. And there's this woman who is very much in love with him, and she has, and he's got zero time for her. And rather than getting exterminated by the Daleks, she goes and stabs him with a big syringe. Oof. It's actually, I say it's quite graphic. It's not graphic at all, mm. but it's like, oh, okay, that's a thing. So she kills Joe Bell and then she gets exterminated herself. So that's fun. Good. But yeah, he was in Doctor Who back in the eighties as well. Nice. Which when I when I um when I found out that little tidbit, it was like it, when you hear his voice, it's like it's so obvious. Yeah. And Revelation is not an episode I've shown you yet. No. So you'll be able to spot him in a crowd. That's for certain. Oh yeah, certain I don't like doubt a, that. Pretty certain he's got very bright ginger hair. And a toupee or something like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, bless him. But yeah, out of that, out cute. of that gang, you've also got Banakafalata. I love Banakafalata. You can't forget his name. He it looks just, like a little conker. What was it? Yeah, man's a conker. And I think, yeah. he, oh, I need to remember what his actors who Jimmy V. That's it because he's appeared in tons of Doctor Who. Um, he's also the replacement actor for R two D two as well. Oh, after fair the original R two D two actor Kenny Baker died. Um, but he's done a bunch of stuff uh, across, well, film and TV, Doctor Who quite a few times. He's the Mox of Balhoon. Yes, he's I did think the, I recognised yeah, the voice a little bit, yeah. The Space Pig, he's the Grask, ah. he's the Banakafalata, he's also the Scovox Blitzer. Oh. Do you remember what the Scovox Blitzer is? No. I didn't think you would. I haven't got a clue. Do you remember the weird metal owl in The Caretaker, the Peter Capaldi story where he becomes the, the, the caretaker at Coal Hill? No. No, I didn't think so. No, I, it was I'm pretty, not going to lie. It was a pretty forgettable the episode. The entirety of Peter Capaldi's era is basically a blur for me. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, it's all right. But so you got Banner Cafalata, who's a cyborg and, you know, sacrifices himself. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. It's not It's not that hard-hitting. However, the... But uh, him the and Van- Astra did get, in- get engaged. They did so, indeed. I mean, Conquer boy wanted a slice of Kylie. I mean, I don't blame him. Can't so. say I blame him. Exactly. Think about how spiky that dick would be, though. <laughs> Amy Parsons. Does the curtain match the drapes? Because if so, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's the the cur- Does the carpet match the curtains? The curtains and the drapes are the same thing. But you go uh, on, man. <laughs> I I just had a horror. I was thinking, can I make a joke about like a conquer thing? like a conquer tournament he had at school but then it would also mean an alien whipping his dick out in a school which is probably not the oh, best idea no. moving swiftly on <laughs> let's talk about um amy's brethren the van hoffs the uh um, the, ones who, the ones who came for the buff the ones who came for the buffet i'm not making a fat joke you better not be okay i mean cause... i kind of am because i'm mentioning the fact that they're there for the buffet but you are there for the buffet let's face it yeah i am but i'm not fat <laughs> anyway can we just <laughs> so we've got the we've got the van the van hoffs you've got foon which is just such an amazing foon. name foon uh foon and morvin um Great. foon who the actress i'm not i don't really know much about her whereas uh the uh whereas morvin clive Rowe, who we all knew as duke in, in tracy beaker what a legend. Because, you know, this is this is that era of CBBC when we were watching CBBC growing up. So we'd see, like, it was when, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I don't like know. Like Tracy Beaker's sort of guardian. 
in she's in Parting oh, of the Ways. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, is it oh, the Indian she... woman? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, is. Well, I can't remember what she's called. No, I can't either. Is it Elaine the Pain? Yeah, that's her name in the TV show. That's, her, that's, 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 that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh. So like we've got we've got Duke from Tracy Beaker in here, and you've got these two who you know the. The fact that all of the other guests are like taking the piss and told him it was fancy dress and all this sort of thing. Her character, her actor's name is Nisha Nayar. There we go. There um, go. You've got the the characters taking the piss, and David obviously is like, Do you know what? I'm not here. I'm not here for this. I wouldn't associate myself with those kind of people. And you know, he sprays them in champagne. Love it. And he happily mm-hmm. eats a, a buffalo wing. I don't know that for some reason for the doctor that seems odd. Yeah, you never really see I don't him know. eating. No, unless it's chips. Chips yeah. under a bridge or in a warehouse or something, mm, and yet chips. when when he when he offered when when Morvin offers him a, a buffalo wing, he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I don't know why that just seems weirdly out of character for the Again, doctor. Again, it's the Christmas special. He can yeah. kind of be who he wants to be. I mean, he's just recently come off back of losing, like Martha, and now he's probably just thinking, do you know what? I've crashed into the Titanic. I'm on a ship that I shouldn't be on. There's food I haven't paid for. Why not? Let's just go I'll ahead and have a buffalo eat. wing. Yeah, I'll why take some not? Buffalo, I'll take some buffalo wings right now to be fair. I am hungry. <laughs> and yeah, so th- this is where I think, because obviously Russell wrote this episode, mm-hmm. with how you you can kind of relate to Morvin and Foon because they are arguably like working class. 5,000 yeah. credits for them. Like if you, if you look at it, this way that a million pounds is five million mm-hmm. credits. Five thousand credits is a thousand pounds, you know, by and large. Mm. Five to one. Mm, yeah. Ish. Yeah. Sure. Imagine My that you've is got terrible. Yeah. You've got Foon and Morvin who are like a thousand pounds, five thousand yeah. credits for the thing. A thousand pounds is gonna cripple them. Mm-hmm. Like they are very much the working class, yeah. I suppose. And so you relate to them. You relate to the upper class taking the piss out of you. And you just, you learn to love these characters. And the fact they get all the abuse from Slade, mm-hmm. you learn to love them more. Yeah. So when Morvin dies super out of the blue, like yeah. even 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 amidst everything that's going on, the, the Titanic has been twatted by three meteorites. You've got the host who are there trying to kill people. You still are surprised by Morvin's death, and that's it. Because it just comes out of nowhere, and I think it's very much that instant moment of him just going, "Oh, where?" And then he just falls off the railing, and you're literally like, uh, "Hang on, I didn't even get two seconds to know this guy really before he dies." And All we know is is that he's he's proud of himself. He loves his wife to yeah. pieces, and he just he just dies. Mm-hmm. See you later. It's really sad. Um, And then when food, like, it's rare that you get a character react, especially in the situations that they're in, or even irrelevant to the situations they're in, with how Foon reacts, like how so obviously devastated she is. mm -hmm. Debbie Chazen did such an incredible job, just literally sitting on set, cuddling David Tennant and bawling her eyes out in such a convincing fashion. It's like it's the first time and I've watched that back that I've really actually... Not that I wouldn't have felt for her anyway, but it almost Mm -hmm. felt like an even more, like, inner, like, pain for a character I've only had about, I don't know, 20 minutes with, if that. 
And yeah. I'm, fe- I'm feeling genuinely sad for you. I mm-hmm. really am. And I think it's because she, again, it's that kind of juxtaposition of Slade being the one who survives and the nice people being the ones that don't. And it's very much, it, like you said, it very much plays into the... Um, if you could pick who survives, that would make you a monster. Because, yeah, okay, we all know that Slade was the asshole, but does that mean he deserves to die any less or more than the others? Like, you literally can't call that because it's not your decision to make. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it really does become like a bit of a shock to the system because you're like, hang on, they're, carrying, they're killing off all the nice characters? This isn't normal for Doctor Who, especially not for a Christmas special. Um I mean, out of that group of original, how many people start in that group? Six or seven? Uh, Something like that, yeah. And you literally end up with two. Three. Including the Doctor. Yeah. Um, Then, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Wow, that's a bit much. So (laughs) it's like when you you compare that, the first comparison I can think of that was like, right, you got to feel for this character, bro. You got to feel for him. Before he dies, because he's gonna go, you gotta feel sad. It's my boy Benny. Benny. From Orphan 55. Benny. Like, it was another, that was the first one that came to my head of like, right, here's a character you've got to try and like sympathize with them. So when they do eventually die, yeah. you feel sad. Benny. And for somebody, I mean, Orphan 55 is, a, is actually maybe not the best example because literally the rest of the episode is complete and utter trash. It's so awful. Yeah, yeah that's. That is what it is, but the Van Hoffs in Voyage of the Damned, they are a genuinely depressing couple mm-hmm. because you lose them, because you see them bonding over the fact that Foon spent all that money and, and Morvin's just like, yeah, whatever, mate, that's mm-hmm. fine. Like, we're here, I don't care, we'll have to work for the rest of our lives, but I get to do it with you, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, and also and it's... They're gone. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it is really sad, and it's just... If more people could have that kind of attitude in life, it would just be... The world would be a much nicer place. <laughs> Absolutely. And very quickly, before we get on towards the actual end of the episode, uh, I do need to very quickly mention this is the first time we do meet Wilf. Yeah, In the form Wilf. of Bernard Cribbins, when they all teleport down to Earth and everyone's deserted because they're afraid of London at Christmas time. And he's there the he only one. Amy let out a little squeak. I did. When he came out on screen. He's so cute. I and love I, him. I, I do. I love that that's the case, that you get him in there. And also... It's just a nice little introduction the, to the character. The fact that we don't know yet that he's Donna's granddad is really, I think, kind of like the pinnacle of, like, you just think you're meeting this random old doddery character who ends up being probably one of the best kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Like side quest companions, if you will. Um, <laughs> I would say side quests. I mean, people genuinely do think that that Wilf is one of the best companions of the mm. New Who era end of, or of Doctor Who of all time. I think he, people have him up there along with people like Sarah Jane. Yeah, for example. He is. And I, I would agree. I think he, he is fantastic. We will get obviously through uh, Bernard Cribbins more so once we go through obviously series four and into the end of series four in the specials. Mm-hmm. Like we get a lot of time with him, which is lovely. But genuinely, he is a part. He is everyone's granddad. You know, he was this this massively positive, super enthusiastic and passionate actor who mm-hmm. played a character that loved his granddaughter, loved his daughter, loved the yeah. Doctor and everything. And it's it's yeah. He is, it's amazing to see him. And obviously now that, unfortunately, Bernard Cribbins has passed away, 
um, we get we still have Wilf. Yeah. And this is our first of thankfully many interactions with the character from this point going on forward. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to see him. Yeah. And what a good boy. Very good boy. Twelve out of ten. Very no, good boy. Fifteen out of ten. Yeah. Okay. A hundred out of ten. He's a yeah. Very good boy. <laughs> so we get through the ship quite literally. Kylie and Co go back up to the bridge or mm-hmm. to the main room and, and tenant heads downstairs to find out what's going on and obviously you've got max capricorn as discount davros like yeah very chilling much around so. in his like i don't know faraday cagey looking things we can nuke the earth and make all of his make the board that fired him go to prison it's a pretty weak flimsy storyline yeah i mean i get it because if you're if you're that kind of money power hungry that he seems to be and the only thing that matters to you is well i'm alive i can cope you know i've got money i'll beat these people into the dust that wronged me then yeah i get it but it i feel like it kind of needed to be a weak storyline for a christmas special because there's so much else going on that you almost don't need it to be quite hefty because we're not introducing a new doctor like a couple like the last ones kind of have been um and we're not introducing a new companion like uh, when the Runaway Bride and just like it just needed something to kind of pad it out a little bit. And yeah, the idea that it was literally just a guy who wanted money is yeah, I can see it, but also I can kind of be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Claire and I appear to be on the, exactly the same level because she said that <laughs> she saw Max as a bit of a discount Davros. So. Yeah. Well and Claire, we're thinking the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, she asks, how do you feel about Max being the big, big bad? Which I know that you've already basically outlined. And honestly, I feel like I'm, I'm in the same kind of position. It's uh, the idea of all of this being about money. It's not the most original thing in the world. But in mm. the same way, it was the same for the uh, the, the end game for the Slitheen in Aliens of London World War Three. They just yeah. wanted to blow the other up and sell it. Like, that was all it was. So... Yeah, it's not the most interesting of things. I think the way that it's set up is done really well with the terminally ill mm-hmm. captain getting his family a lot of money to to deliberately get the ship um, hit with to these meteors the yeah, yeah. and then wipe out the earth and everything. I think the setup is really good, but the, it does feel a little bit... <sighs> Deus Ex Machina is another phrase that comes to mind. I wouldn't say it goes that far. No, I don't think it kind of says that. The, the fact that Kylie's like... I'm going to save the day with a forklift. It's like, okay. I mean, fair play. Like, in my opinion, that's actually quite a clever solution for somebody who's literally on wheels. Um, yeah, but just, like, the fact that, that, yeah, it's an easy way to get rid of the threat is literally just by killing the dude. Mm-hmm. Also, the doctor wasn't going to do it. And while they're, you know, at the base of one of the, um, the, the funnels where the engines are, you know, fair enough, I suppose. You know, yeah. Astrid wants to help the doctor because she's... I guess she's, you know, he's been, he's promised her this, this future, but I, I don't know whether she's convinced she'll ever see it. Mm-hmm. And if she feels like she can save this man who is so good and so positive that, and, she, and arguably that it'd be a worse world without him, I suppose maybe her, may have been her, her, her influence, her, her, her motivation for doing what she did. Yeah. Yeah. Just driving the dude off the side and, and killing herself. And I can't. I love the fact that the actor for Max Capricorn had to like cross his eyes when he was screaming. Mm-hmm. It's just so dumb. So 
again so camp so overacted it, it, so we'll put funny. it in this we'll put it in the same column as the queen waving a flying titanic yeah. and saying thank you doctor like it, it's very much in that same column and so yeah it, it does end an, on a bit of an interesting thing and you get the spectacle of it falling to earth and reigniting the engines with the end with the entry mm-hmm. and so on and so forth so you know it, it ends it ends how it how it ends yeah i mean I, i'd also off it's that bit after max capricorn has been pushed off the edge and they he ex, the doctor explains that the angels default sorry the hosts default to <laughs> the next highest authority which happened to be me and then they it's just like, would it though also they all just that bit where they're flying him through the ship was so i mean okay it's 2007 we'll let the cgi go because clearly they spent the budget on the titanic cgi i was like the titanic shots and stuff look really Um, good however the one thing about it is just that they're literally just like solid as a rock like do you know how strong the doctor's arms would have to be to hold himself that stiff while they're flying him through the air. That's just not how it goes. So I think that bit could have been maybe framed a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but I did I enjoy the bit where mean. they crashed through the ceiling. I do that think is that's, quite cool. you know, that's funny. It's a little so, way of like doing that, but yeah. So John asked, uh, this says, the ending's quite bittersweet. Slade makes his undeserved riches, so Copper gets a Dickensian-type ending of the of an inheritance from the Doctor. Kind of, sort of, but like more of the understanding of what money he's got. And it, he says it feels like quite the cheap resolution to an otherwise downbeat story. Mm. Like, does it work for you? And it's like... I think that the fact that as we said at the start of this, it's a Christmas special. I feel like you can give it a little bit more leeway than you can with other episodes. Yeah. So while the ending isn't as strong, and I know that the like the, the line of, um, of of 10 saying to Astrid, like, you're not falling, you're flying, it's quite, it is quite sweet. It's bittersweet. It's sweet, but it's also very cringe. Yeah, kissing a ghost, fair enough. Like, I, I can understand the Doctor being like having those kinds of emotions for somebody he's just met, but it almost feels like that line would have hit much better if this were a character he'd spent at least another couple of episodes with. Mm -hmm. So while the ending doesn't necessarily tick every box, I think the build-up to it is a lot better than how the ending pays off. Yeah, maybe. I don't feel wholly unsatisfied by the ending. I think the fact that Mr. Copper gets his happy ending after that kind of brings things back up a level. Yeah, that's with nice. Voyage of the Damned. But, you know, back in the day, this wasn't, this was a very mixed or very polarizing episode. I think some people really liked it, some people really didn't. And that goes to the same for Kylie. I don't, mm. I don't see why you could overtly dislike Kylie no. in this episode unless it was about her character of being, again, infatuated by the Doctor. But, yeah, we, we've already yeah. discussed that enough over the course of this series. So, I think as an actress, I think she did a really good job. So, Mm. ending wise eh. yeah I, it's I, fine. I, I never look back at voyage of the damned and think badly of it no me either i think there's nothing really that doesn't particularly work i mean yeah okay there are a few little clunky bits a few little like bits that are kind of like eh, we'll just let that one slide um but i feel like that's the beauty of a christmas special like you said it's if that was if this had been an episode in the middle of a series you'd have been like well what kind of filler was that um 
But the fact that it's a Christmas special means that they know it's going to be a much more family time. They know that everybody's going to be sat around the TV watching it. Which, by the way, can we talk about the fact that Christmas specials are coming back? Thank you, Hell Russell. Yeah. Um, and he knows the kind of audience he's he's like talking to. Nor- during the normal series of Doctor Who, I feel like he definitely knows that his audience has shifted. Uh, but during the Christmas specials, you know that there are going to be people watching Doctor Who that probably wouldn't normally because they've just got it on TV or the kids want to watch it or your dad wants to watch it. And so or you it forced reaches... your family to watch it, which yeah. I did every year back then. Oh, yeah. It reaches a much wider audience. So, yeah, I feel like although the ending is nice and simple, it works. It was the right one. Like, I don't think you needed an ending that was heavier than that because that's what you get throughout now like the rest of this Doctor's kind of arc and timeline as you get all the heavy stuff. Like I don't think on a whim I could give you a better ending. No, not really. If I had time to sit and think about it, maybe, but the fact that usually something doesn't completely immediately spring to mind, mm. then I'm like, do you know what? I'm happy with it. It's I've never fine. thought about how I would end it. So, And actually, as a relevant point, as you said, Ames, about people watching Doctor Who on Christmas, Matt Gray asks, as this episode is the most viewed episode of New Who, do you think that this episode was a good jumping on point for the series or one that pushed people away? Oh, that's an interesting now, question. I had this episode in this, sorry, this question in mind when I was watching this episode. Right. Because I saw this before we started watching. I, oh, it's a difficult one because I think the humour in it really works. I think the character development in it is good, even though you get minimal amounts of time with each character. I think the Doctor is summarised very well throughout the episode from where he is in his character plot. However, I also do think that if this was your first episode of Doctor Who, you might think that that's what it's like all the time. And it's not like I'm quite shocked that this is still the most watched episode of new who ever, because I wouldn't even say it was that impressive, but maybe that's why it was the most watched because it appealed to the widest amount of people. Um, but it wasn't bad. I wouldn't say it was outstanding. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, if that had been my first episode into Doctor Who, would I have stuck around to watch the rest? Yeah, probably. Um, That's what I was thinking. Like, if this was your first interaction, I mean, everything you said there is exactly what I would have said. Mm. Like, the characters are great. The setting's really good. The way the Doctor's personified and the fact that he does that speech. Maybe that was why. Maybe yeah. there was that acknowledgement that when... I can't remember whether Russell said that this role of Astrid was almost written for Kylie. I f- mm. There's a part of me that thinks that that was actually probably. the case. So he would have probably known that there would have been a lot of people who would have been watching Doctor Who that Christmas because Kylie was in it. Yeah, yeah. So having that... While that that introduction of, of the Doctor's character to that group was so correct in the moment it also worked double-edged sword to be the introduction to the character from mm-hmm. for, for other people um and yeah but as you say you know there was probably more budget thrown into the cgi the story had a bit more like spectacle because it was a special yeah but again when you if you go into something watching a special usually that would still have the connotation of this isn't going to be exactly how things go mm-hmm. but if you if you use this as a jumping on point as an epic like it's your first episode of doctor who you watched and went back to nine and yeah. started there absolutely if you continued on from here you'd be a bit more in the dark you'd be a bit lost but if this was your first episode of who i wouldn't say it would have overtly pushed people away because i no. don't think if we talk about the episode overall it's an objectively bad episode no I, it's not still enjoyed watching it even with all the campiness the things that i probably wouldn't want to do but like 
all in all, yeah, I enjoyed Voyage it. of the Damned, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the vibe that we yeah. got from that. There's a couple of things that I want to talk about very quickly. Uh, one of these things was a, a question from Jay that I wanted to mention right at the end for a, a segue moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asks, do you think more future companions should be introduced into the show before becoming actual companions of the Doctor? Like, for example, Donna uh, with The Runaway Bride, yeah. Wilf in Voyage of the Damned, and even Clara, or mm-hmm. at least a version of Clara in Asylum of the Daleks. Do you think that should be done more? Hmm. I don't know. Because I think Clara is a different kettle of fish. Yes. And... I hate to say it, but I don't really enjoy Clara's companion. I think she's a bit Nor do awful. I. And also, um, the these circumstances as to why she was yeah. in Asylum of the Daleks as well. Um, however, I don't dislike the fact that they've introduced people beforehand. Because obviously it's when you get to the episode where you find out there are actually more of a stable character. You're like, oh, that's cool. We've already been introduced to them and we didn't really realise that was a thing which is a nice little kind of thing that I feel like Russell T Davies did quite well. But then I also think about characters like Amy and Rory, and I think if we'd have been introduced to them prior, it would have changed a lot about what we kind of thought they were like. I mean, you said it yourself last night, watching the trailer for the coming up stuff from Series 4 made you really realise how different Donna's character is in The Runaway Bride to the character she is as a companion. And so introducing her gives her that kind of difference and we're able to see her character develop a lot more because we've known her over a longer period of time. But I also don't feel like we didn't see Rose develop and we didn't see Martha develop and that those kind of things... I don't know whether it's something I wish was done more because it's, it is what it is. Like, I feel like it was done enough. I think if it was done a bit more, it might get a bit tropey and a bit kind of yeah. old. People um, expect it to be like a, you're being introduced to somebody new yeah. like with, this, like with, with the likes of Millie Gibson. Never uh-huh. seen her in anything as far as I know. No. Same with Karen Gillan. Same, well, not with Catherine Tate. Same with Freeman Regiment. Same with Billy Piper. Like, I didn't know anything about what they did. So it's like, I'm no. happy to go in completely fresh with this companion, like either as an actor or as a companion Mm -hmm. and as you said we got the reason why i bring this up at the end is because back in the day i wasn't the biggest fan of donna Mm -hmm. and going back to watching the runaway bride i felt so much better about that being a hill that i died on back then Mm -hmm. because donna isn't likable in runaway bride she's not she is not likable in runaway bride but she's not meant to be no, exactly. She isn't meant to be. So when I saw, when I, I remember so vividly watching Voyage of the Damned back in 2007, because I remember when it said coming soon and Donna walked into frame, I I want to say that my parents told me off because I might have swore because um, <laughs> we'd have only been 12. Yeah. And I was like, I am, um, no, no, please, no, don't bring Donna back. I was, I was dreading series mm-hmm. four. I was like, it's lazy casting. It's really stupid. I don't like the fact that Donna's been brought back because I did not like her in in Runaway Bride. No. But as you said, she is developed as a character. She's excited to see the Doctor. We see her in Partners in Crime, that fantastic scene through the window in the door. Yeah. Like, that's really, really good. Donna was brought back as a as a redemption arc, basically. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she's become one of the most, if not the most beloved, like full-time companion yeah. of New Who. Because Will, arguably, I would rank above her. Oh yeah, absolutely. But he's only in, he's only really a, quote-unquote companion for two episodes two specials Mm -hmm. so 
yeah, but that's 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 another thing. But she's brought back as a bit of a redemption arc, and so my idea of having companions introduced early only really sits with Donna because, like I said, Clara's got a canonical reason as to why, which I just despise. Yeah. And Wilf is Wilf is kind of passing. I think it's a bit of a bit of a nice nod. Obviously, at this point in time, he'd already been cast as her as her grandfather, but obviously they do acknowledge that anyway that they, yeah. that they met in Voyage of the Damned, but. As Amy said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it a, a standard trope. It's not relevant, to be honest. No. And it, I feel like if they keep, if they start bringing in um, characters and people we know already into the TARDIS, it's like getting Barney Harwood in as a Blue Peter presenter. Mm-hmm. You just, you already know him, and it's almost weird seeing him as a Blue Peter presenter. Which I thought was, I don't know why. It's just, it's strange. Yeah. And I love Blue Peter, and I love Barney Harwood. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it's just weird seeing him as a Blue Peter presenter. That's a very weird metaphor, but, but yeah. that's that's kind of how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's kind of our thoughts on. I say kind of that. Those are our thoughts on uh, on Voyage of the Damned. And before we before we wrap things up for this year, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of housekeeping. So I asked you guys about uh, in the last episode about how you found Escaping Gustavus and. Obviously, most people obviously just didn't say anything, so I'd assume that means that uh, you're here because you knew of the original run of EK back in the old Who Culture days. But I had a couple of people on uh, YouTube um, comment saying, like Richard Gurney said, that, yeah, found the podcast myself, and the the uh, YouTube recommended me my reviews of Flux, um, and he'd never heard of me before then. Yeah, which, which is, is really cool. cool. Because I, I'm, you know, I, I very much lend a lot of the, lots of my views and my subscribership on my own YouTube channel down to the fact that I did Who Culture. Mm-hmm. So sticking my face on the thumbnail really helped because apparently I was literally featured on the sidebar for the Who Culture ups and downs for the first episode of. Yeah. Uh, was it Flux? I started reading yeah, myself. It must have been. I think. Yeah. Um, and loads of people found me through that, so it's like cool. That's kind of what I was hoping for, mm-hmm. not to like steal views from Who Culture, but appear in the right place because when when sean popped up everyone went hang on a minute where's rich (laughs) who's this where's rich it's like why is the trek culture guy here um but you know sean and ellie do an amazing job on on who culture they really Mm -hmm. do um but yeah so it's really cool that's the case and then you know a few people found me um after they found out i wasn't at what culture because jinx says that uh they searched for me yeah found me which is really nice in the same way they found rach and triple jump and simon miller and while Simon Miller still does walk culture stuff, he isn't employed by them. Mm-hmm. So he just does stuff as and when, hence why he does all sorts of other stuff. He's actually doing a thing with VG247 this year. Oh, cool. I think he's doing their game awards or something. Hmm, I nice. saw something on Twitter about it, which is quite cool. So yeah, it's really cool to see that you guys have um, have found us via other means. Mm-hmm. And that, that gives me a lot of... Uh, a lot of faith and a lot of love for the algorithm for, yeah. for promoting us just for content, for good yeah. old good old fashioned content. Just for sitting and having a chat. Exactly. And we really appreciate you lot hanging with us. And speaking of hanging with us, the final segue of this particular episode, the final segue of the year. Yes. Let's talk about 2023. Yes. So I said to you a couple of episodes ago that we are going to be better. We're going to try our absolute hardest. (laughs) (laughs) We really are. So much so that we've actually gone through our calendar because Amy and I use a shared calendar. Thank you, technology. (laughs) So we know exactly what each other are doing at any given time. And we've actually gone and plotted our entire or basically the entire year worth of of recording dates, podcast recordings. We've like blocked off 
a bunch of Sundays mm-hmm. um, to do podcasts. And whether we get to fully stick to those Sundays or not, we don't know. There is a bit of there is a bit of wiggle room. Yeah. And as a lot of you guys have been saying, especially on YouTube, um, you've been very, very, as we always say, very, very understanding. Like you guys really love the content and the fact that you guys wait for it, you mm-hmm. don't actually mind because you 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 feel that it's obviously quality, not quantity, which I'm I'm very much an advocate of. Hence why yeah. I'm so bad at making YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, I mean, the comments on YouTube were lovely. A lot of people basically just saying like, we'd rather they came out fewer and far between and were good quality than forcing them out and making it seem like you don't want to be there um which was really we really appreciated because you know it just proves to us that you guys do still enjoy the content and you do still want to be here for the podcast which you know that's just all anybody wants is just people to listen i mean even if we only got 50 listeners even if we only got three listeners we'd still do it because we enjoy doing it but the fact that so many of you were so kind and just saying like you know thank you so much for still creating even though you're busy yeah it it means a lot as we always say it really does i mean just between youtube and anchor We've had nearly a thousand listens on last week's episode in a week, and that isn't currently including. I don't know whether that pl- that plays number on Anchor only counts Spotify. I assume it would, right? Um, because obviously it's available on Apple and Google Podcasts and Podbean, and mm-hmm. I don't know where exactly it's available. I did actually put links on my on the. Uh, is it on Twitter or is it on Anchor? I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, it's available loads of places. So the fact that the, the you guys continue to listen it's it means a huge amount to us so yeah thank you for that so yeah hopefully we're gonna really we're i say hopefully we are going to make more of an effort next year to properly plan out because we kind of we do the podcast ad hoc as you can probably tell by yeah. how infrequent it has been over the course of this year um but we are going to make a more conscious effort to to change that yeah um, because we really do enjoy making it. Um, I know that, I mean, one of the first comments on this podcast, on sorry, last week's podcast on YouTube was, when is your uh, your Chibnall era review coming out? You said it was going to be like two weeks after your episode review. And I was like, well, it was literally the day, day before I flew out to Florida and I started my new job and I haven't had the time or the energy to really get my thoughts into words yeah because the longest part of the process for me is writing the script and if i'm not in a script writing mood i ain't doing it Mm -hmm. i'm afraid and the beauty of the podcast is it's all ad lib yeah we don't take notes during the episode we just sit and chat rubbish which is what we do best and on a production side because obviously i edit and render and upload the podcast and everything like it's so much much easier it's so much quicker Mm -hmm. um and i like the fact that Amy and I's thoughts are still cut as much as we go um are and like we I feel that we're good because we are concise and we coherent. are coherent coherent and we are um what's the eloquent, word you're looking for there you go I guess in in our responses to things and our thoughts on things and I think yeah. it makes for a I assume based on the fact that you guys keep coming back and the view number the, the listen numbers are good and the views are good that you know it's a good podcast yeah um so and it's a it's a it's a format that i much much prefer to produce because yeah we work full-time jobs Mm -hmm. you know you see you see channels like who culture for example the the most direct comparison you could make with me and it's like yeah but they're they're people making that stuff Mm full-time i ain't doing that i'm i'm making trailers for games so i don't have that time and i work for the nhs now (laughs) exactly so it's like we don't have that same opening but if you guys like the podcast we can keep doing it and we are planning to yeah so hopefully into the new year we've got at least i don't know how far through the calendar we got but it comfortably got us through the rest of the tenant era yeah because obviously we do have two parters in 
Series 4, and we've got all the specials, etc., etc., etc. So that's going to be good. But to wrap things up today, our first episode of the new year, we're going to do something a little bit different. And I said we were going to do this ages and ages and ages ago after we got through Series 3. Bit of a weird spot to do it because you'd assume you'd do it after maybe Series 4 and after the specials in between Doctors. But the first episode of the new year, we're going to do a Q&A. Mm-hmm. Just an outright Q&A with me and Amy. But there's a little bit of a twist. This is a Doctor Who podcast and there are bound to be Doctor Who questions, but we almost don't want you to ask us Doctor Who questions. We want you to ask us anything. Yeah. Because the beauty of this podcast, the beauty of the way that we get to produce stuff now is we can talk about whatever the hell we like and we love the idea that we could... We want you to get to know us. Mm-hmm. Like, you know our opinions on Doctor Who. You probably know my opinions on X, Y, and Z because you see me in, on, on what culture videos and traction videos back in the day. But we genuinely want you to get to know us. We want to be able to get to know you at the yeah. same time. Like, if you ask us a question about something, answer it yourself as well and we'll answer as well. Ask us about, you know, TV shows we like. Ask us about movies, music, games. School. What we like to do. Theme parks. Our jobs. Why, why we were bullied at school because <laughs> no. I've got a I've got a encyclopedia's worth no. of crap I can tell you we won't want to talk about one. that <laughs> <laughs> but literally like as every time I do like an Instagram Q&A and I'm like I'm on a train ask me something ask me anything everyone's like Doctor Who questions your, what's your favourite companion what do you think of Rose I'm like okay but I mean, this is this is an open Q&A so I'm going to flip the script in a place where it's normally an open Q&A it's all about Doctor Who in a place where a Q&A would be about Doctor Who ask us anything yeah ask and us I mean, really, what colour hair we have anything. if you don't know what we look like ask us whether who's the ugly one out of the two of us spoiler it's definitely <laughs> rich um, it is definitely me <laughs> ask us literally anything you want to know like how old we are if we haven't already told you like what our wedding plans are literally anything you are you invited know. no no uh, <laughs> unless you're one of our friends listening this who has already got their invite in which case yes um but yeah it's we're, we're quite looking forward to doing just a random q a situation just to kick off 2023 and before we get neck deep into series four mm-hmm. so really ask us anything in the comments if you're on youtube you can tweet us at castapod i'm gonna put up a tweet probably just after the uh, the podcast goes live on the 23rd, the Friday, saying, ask us anything, reply to this tweet, and literally ask us anything. And then also the same, if you're listening on Spotify, you can submit your questions using the Q&A button thing that appears on the actual podcast page, which is an absolute godsend. I love it. Anchor, thank yeah. you. That's such yeah. a great inclusion. Really good feature. So genuinely, you, you, know, they're, they're, you know, you can ask us Doctor Who stuff that's like, I guess, like, what merchandise do you own? What's your favourite Doctor Who board game they've released over the past, like, 20 odd years mm-hmm. just not about the series because either we've either talked we'll be about getting it, to it or we're going to be getting to it eventually so let's talk about anything you can ask us that? lots of questions about disney if you Ooh, uh if you theme want park to questions or yes, just please. disney in general because i mean I, we're massive disney for well I'm, ask us, I'm a huge genuinely fan. when we say ask us anything we mean it Within reason, obviously, I get to pick and choose what we do and don't answer. Yeah, because, I mean, if there's anything like, would you finger me behind a bin shed? The answer's <laughs> probably going to be no. Well, um, I'm going to go with yes. And we're probably not going to answer questions like that. However. And on that bombshell of getting to finger Amy behind the bins at Nando's in Coventry. I clearly said no. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you all have a fantastic 
festive period. If you are celebrating Christmas, then have a very Merry Christmas. If not, happy holidays. very happy holidays. And if you're not ha- uh, happy about anything, have a wank and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever floats you go. But seriously, thank you all so much for listening and thank you for bearing with us over a pretty piss poor year Mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) at least up i'm happy with the stuff we have made Mm -hmm. just not how much we have made yeah but it's cool but amy where can they find you across the socials you can find me basically only on instagram at ames underscore elizabeth that's a-i-m-s underscore elizabeth with a z just because I feel like it, whenever I say Ames Elizabeth, people might not know how to spell it, even though it's quite simple. Oh, you never know. But yeah. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PickupChangeToe and Hive. Mm. I haven't. Not that I look at Hive that often. I haven't but, delved you know, into Hive. We're going to ignore Elon that. Elon might actually be resigning as Twitter CEO as we speak. Who knows? Well. I doubt it. But anyway, have a wonderful festive period. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you guys in the new year. Please ask us absolutely anything. Thank you again. And a happy new year as well. Yes. Thank you again for sticking with us over the course of this year. We appreciate you all. Have a lovely festive period. Take care. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.